Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, welcome to the Chakra Way Meditation Podcast. I'm Roseanne, and today we have another beautiful chakra chat. And today I'm talking to Susan Gold, who is an author and a coach. Susan is an extraordinary woman with an incredible story and such a beautiful spirit. Her traumatic childhood and her fairly traumatic experiences in her adult life have led her to the transformative process of writing a book. It's called Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom. So we talk about all things um, about how, you know, to set ourselves free from the trauma that we've experienced during our childhood years and the trauma that we then carry with us and then influences us into our adult lives and how it is possible to let go of these things and Susan is a shining example of exactly that. So I really, I loved meeting Susan. She was, sometimes you just meet um, somebody on these podcast records that you just really click with and um, I did with her. We could have talked for hours and hours and um, yeah, it was a very valuable conversation, I feel, and I hope that you find it so as well. Um, so here we go. Enjoy the podcast and um, the conversation. And if you want to get in touch with Susan, you can do so through her um, through her website, which is chat Susan, um, susangold.com. Okay, here we go. Enjoy. Okay, welcome everybody to the Chakra Way Meditation Podcast. Today I'm joined by the gorgeous Susan Gold. And Susan is an author and a coach. And her book has an amazingly powerful title. It's called Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom. Welcome, Susan. Wow, just as you said that, I just got chill bumps everywhere. Just walking through that transformation and now to actually feel the freedom. I, I just, I didn't even know what freedom was, right? I didn't know what it was. Yeah. It's a, it's a journey. It's a journey. And it's interesting because like when I was just before we met, I was just thinking about it and I was thinking toxic family is this kind of, it's your headline, I suppose. Um, And toxic families take all sorts of shape. You know, we have our childhood family, you know, I'm all about the chakras. And so it's down there and the root chakra is your, your family. And um, I think it's interesting, the more people you talk to, the more you go through life kind of doing this work, you realize that everybody had some kind of trauma in their childhood, whether it was with a big T or a little T, I feel like everybody had some kind of trauma. 
that or some kind of stuff that needs to be sorted out from the childhood. But then the other side of the toxic family is the adult relationships that we find ourselves in. And I think, I mean, you know, I'm sure you'll probably confirm this for me, but the more toxic or, you know, if you had a toxic childhood, the likelihood of you finding toxic relationships when you're older is probably a bit higher. Am I right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Double, double rate down on that. Mm -hmm. Mm. And for me, I didn't really, I mean, it did matter the work that I did. I did do a lot of work. I don't want to discount that, but I feel I had a trajectory. I had a mission. I had a plan before I even came in and I had to walk through that. Mm. Now I see why. Yeah. Okay. So let's go, let's go back to the beginning and hear your journey, your big story of where you came from, this whole, your toxic journey. Oh my God, that sounds awful, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It's so funny. Toxic family was not even my title. It's my publisher's title and oh, she's really? genius, but I thought, oh my gosh, we're really going to go, you know, talk show nasty, but um, it's the truth. It's the truth of the story. It's a great title. My title is Magical Illumination because now that that I look back and I've done the healing work, I've come full circle. I, I felt it was a magical illumination I to walk that. through. But That's gorgeous. That's just as, yeah, it's kind of wham bamming it from the other side, isn't it? Because toxic family kind of gets you right here, whereas magical illumination gets you right in the heart, in the, yeah. Mm. And I think that's that's a big piece of what the journey was about to really come into my heart chakra and to uncover it because it had been plastered over in all sorts of muck and duct tape and sticky glue and paper clips mm. and barbed wire turned inwards. So it's been incredibly healing to unveil all that and really connect with that heart chakra. I poo-pooed it for so long, trained through it, anesthetized myself around okay. it. You were you were an endurance athlete. I read that in your bio. Yeah. Is that what you're saying when you're trained around it? Was that your escape? Was the physical side of it? Yeah, I started marathoning in my 20s. And it was to numb. It was also to find a place of self-worth. And then there were way too many injuries. So my mind said, well, divide it up. Swim, bike, run. And maybe it'll be a little better. <laughs> achieve 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 yeah I'll mm. never forget the morning I was standing on that barge 20 feet off Alcatraz Island where my grandmother said no one ever got off the island alive and if you don't go on and take your jump on that triathlon start they push you with a pole <laughs> you're kidding oh my gosh <laughs> So this is like, so when you say Alcatraz, is this like a, a specific triathlon thing that is based around escaping from Alcatraz? That is it, it's the exact title. Yeah, it's the exact title of the race, Escape from Alcatraz. I think I trained a year for that race and I placed third in my age group, which is really phenomenal wow. and trained for a year. And it was bliss. I was halfway across the bay looking at the Golden Gate Bridge going, oh, I wish this wasn't over so soon. And then we ran from the marina to the to the Presidio to warm up. And there you got your your bike and <laughs> rode around these giant cliffs for a couple of loops and then ran again another 10 miles through forest and onto the beach and up hills and past Robin Williams' house because he was still alive and living there. Um, yeah, it was an amazing experience. I'm really proud that I had the ability to to do it. Um, it was a life experience, but it was also a false persona, another false persona to be enough, right? I'm in awe of your physical capabilities, but I also totally understand that it is, and it can be, it's uh, an escape. It's a, it's almost a. Um, I don't know. I know somebody who runs a lot and I often think that they're just running away constantly, just running. You know, they just get up and go for a run and just run for 10K every day. And I'm like, you're just running away. <laughs> and then the list begins. But yeah, yeah, it's a form of. So I didn't mean to to run around <laughs> your your question. I I 
I was launched into a family of five children. I was the, the middle kid. And um, my father's a genius astrophysicist, but he also had an issue with alcohol. The mm-hmm. cork would unpop at 7.30 in the morning and you'd hear glug, glug, glug. And he always mm-hmm. smelled like whiskey and Old Spice and Scope all mixed up. Um, and he was fun. I mean, he was like Mr. Chips. He coached the tennis team and would take us trampolining Friday nights in the gym. And it was always an adventure with my father, but he was quite the Peter Pan. He also had a sexual addiction and chased just about anything in a skirt. Mm -hmm. And um, he also had an issue with narcissism, which I didn't understand until much later. And my mother was equally as genius, but never had the opportunity for the education because she was saddled with five children before 30. Yeah. And, And was responsible for the care. And she had come from a horribly abusive home. Her father was beaten almost to the point of death by his stepmother. His beloved mother died when he was quite young. So he instructed his own wife, my mother's mother, not to give the children affection because if anything happened to her, they'd be lost. And his own beating led him to psychotic episodes and he acted those out on my mother. And she was also molested by the parish priest and never had any recovery. So the way she found soothing was by lathering on pounds of flesh and overeating. And at that time, when diet pills were prescribed for the issue, they were speed. So I was raised by an alcoholic and a speed freak with a mental illness, and there was no stable platform. Wow. There was abuse of every type in every crevice and cranny and there was excitement (laughs) but I don't know if it's the kind of excitement that yeah that's natural that is yeah that sounds utterly um out of control on so many levels you know you've got ancestral trauma coming in you've got addictions narcissism I mean and drugs and drink it's yeah so that is a pretty potent mix of stuff to be a child in the middle of and especially being a middle child as well because you kind of just get lost in the middle um literally don't you it's uh yeah I was a I was a super empath I was soaking it all up and in and trying to make it all okay I was highly intuitive and quite telepathic until those outbursts were causing me more trouble than they were worth. So I just closed it all down and tacked it away uh, until later when it would come back. But yeah, I left the morning after I graduated from high school. I had to to get out. But you left and you became you became really successful. I mean, you had an amazing career. Um, and, you know, being a, a talent agent or a celebrity kind of yeah, I think I was. I was. You name Susan. You can drop a few names if you want to. Okay, here they come. I'll try to make it quick because you know I've been really privileged, um, but it's not my whole life. I always dreamed of being on the business side of the entertainment industry. I used to watch Barbara Walters on my beanbag chair in my basement, and I was like, I want to go to New York City, and I want to be just like her. And I did get to New York City. I was nineteen on an internship working in the West Village in arts management and couldn't wait to get back and went back right after college graduation and did work in that glittery glittery talent business at an agency. Um, And Barbara Walters became my exercise client. I became a trainer on the side to make money. And one morning I rang her bell at 7 a.m. and she said, Susan, get in here. What is going on? She knew right away. And she got it out of me that I had been sexually harassed in the workplace the day before. I was newly sober. Um, My father's addiction played out in me. And I was newly out of an abusive relationship where the gentleman held the purse strings. I'm embarrassed to say, but it was the truth. Mm -hmm. And Barbara said, I'm coming to work with you this morning and we're going to confront this gentleman together. And I said, thank you, Barbara. It's okay. I'll do it. And I did do it. He asked me, did I have everything I needed? I said, yes. And he said, great, you're fired. 
And I decided to, Barbara said, you know, work for Merv. My fiance was running a big movie company at the time and she wanted me to be his assistant. And I'm like, I I just can't be an assistant after what I've experienced just Mm. too much. So I created my own talent brokerage firm, matching celebrities to brands. And my first deal was to convince Andy Warhol to do a commercial for Pontiac that he didn't want to do at all. Oh my gosh. Roseanne, nobody would answer the factory phone. So I went down there and knocked on the door and I talked to Fred, Andy's manager. He said, come back tomorrow. I'll let you talk to Andy. So I did. And Fred opened the doors into Andy's studio the next day. It was so black in there. I was like scared to death to walk in. But I was like, I got to try it. And there he was. There was a pin spotlight coming down on his platinum hair that was going like 17 different directions and three pugs running around that studio. So I start blathering on about why I'm there in the commercial and he's not listening. He could care less. He's not making eye contact. He's scribbling. And then the dogs would like pull on his pants leg. Yeah. Pick him up like they were babies. It was all about the dogs and I knew it. Finally, he made eye contact and he said, no, really, why should I do this? And I just stopped dead. And I said, because you can have the pugs in the shot with you. And he said, okay, I'll do it. And that was really, yeah, that was the deal that launched my career. And it was really what marked me. I I had that intuitive sense back. I had that spidey sense. I could... I could feel other people's emotions. I could feel him. I knew he was in a tenuous time. I knew money was important. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew dogs were more important. <laughs> yeah. Dogs often are more important. <laughs> That's such a great story. I love it. An amazing sort of life to have had. And then, and then you know, you've come out, you obviously did that for a while, I'm sure, and um, but you've come out this other side of your life wanting to use your experiences to, you know, to help other people. So you've always obviously always had this empath, intuitive, psychic kind of side to you. You know, you're a spiritual person deep down, but you kind of just got on with the job and went and had dinner with David Beckham or whatever you did. And <laughs> but now you're now you come back. So how long? When, when, sort of, how long have you been on this path of wanting to, you know, of helping and sharing your story to empower and help others? I was told in 2007 by an Irish seer I had a book to write, and I just kicked that under the carpet as fast as I could because I didn't want to go through that exercise. And then two more intuitives said the same thing. The last one said, you have three books to write. And I was like, oh, God, I better get on this before I have some kind of library to produce. So... Um, I started writing my book in 2020 because I I felt like there was a legacy to leave. I didn't think my life was that interesting or I had that much really to offer. Mm. Um, But I felt it was important to to try to help in case someone else could be helped by my experience. And once I laid, you know, the narrative structure down, I saw, I could see that it was important to t- to tell the story and to to bring this conversation forward really you know the taboo of of toxic family and i i was like that tv bulldog producer right it wasn't about the joy of writing it was about spend 15 minutes in front of your computer and write <laughs> whether you have something to write about or not mm-hmm. and then that created the manuscript but but a wise mentor said to me now go back go back into that manuscript, take another pass from little Susie's point of view, that little beautiful soul piece that's inside your heart. So from your inner child, basically. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and she had been kicked and belittled and betrayed so many times, but that really was the shift. That's really what connected me to my heart and so the process of writing the book and the process of writing rewriting it through your inner child through little Susie as you call her through that inner child that's what broke you open to this whole this yeah this wanted to help other people I or 
just sort of being connected with your healing. I mean, how the thing is, what I'm trying to get at here is you've had this incredibly um, traumatic childhood, dramatic and traumatic. And, you know, and that carried on into adult life, you know, in, in you know, as you said, you know, you were people at work and all of that kind of thing. But you've come out the other side, you feel healed, you feel freedom, you feel the freedom in your heart, which is just such a gorgeous thing to to hear and to feel because I really when I see when I see you say that I really can feel it. It's just beautiful. So, you know, what everybody and myself want to know is, you know, what what did you do to get to that place? What was the healing journey for you? Was it all inner child work or something else? Well, the first time I heard about inner child work, I was in my 20s and I was nearly sober and it did not appeal to me. I had no time for that. You know, mm. I was just learning what emotions were and I really wanted somebody to give me a list, please. Mm-hmm. Like, do I really need to pause and take time with this? Um, and then my 30s were filled with um, battles with clinical depression and learning how to manage suicidal depression and impulses. And that was really profitable. But I think the perfect storm, Roseanne, and what really created transformation within me was standing up to the greatest lesson. It's why I feel I've been placed here and moved through all I have. It took everything I knew growing up the tools I learned for survival in my family home, what I learned to make it in my own business, in the entertainment industry, working with household names. It was moving to Los Angeles for what I thought was a terrific career move, but truly it was to meet my greatest guru in, in the, in the reasoning of a teacher Mm. And that was the man who would become my ex-husband. Yeah, these relationships, they teach us a lot. And I know that, you know, there's a lot of people go through relationships that are not necessarily perfect. They start off great, obviously, because that's what happens. Mm. But the lessons we learn, and I think coming out of the other side of those kind of toxic relationships, adult relationships, is that if you don't sit down with yourself and go, okay, what have I learned? What was this for? Then you're missing a massive opportunity of learning and growth. And when you can see it that way, I mean, that's what kept me mushing through. I loved my husband, but he just could not step up and he was draining me I was carrying a 250 pound gorilla plus our son and the home I had bought and paid for our family and maintained. And I did not want this marriage to disintegrate. I didn't want to be a failure. I didn't want that picture. And I was extremely codependent, even with all the work I had done. My friends were saying, you're so strong. You're so capable you're so successful. But inside I was shaking like a little puppy, terrified. This man who was lowest hanging fruit was going to leave me. And ultimately I Googled the word narcissist. I was led and his personality fit the definition to a T. I don't know if he is one or not, but I'm going to say he was for my own intention and Mm -hmm. purposes and we went to mediation. I tried to make him accountable through a postnuptial agreement. And we got to the last point and his eyes went in those cold lizard-like slits. He crossed his arms and he said, I'm hiring an attorney and I'm filing for divorce. And my intuitive voice over my right shoulder said, this is the universe doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. I did a lot of things, but I could not break that relationship cycle. And it was one year in the same domicile. I'm not even going to call it a home. He took up residence in the master bedroom. And I, by choice, was on a mattress on the floor in a partial conversion in our garage. And I made it a monastery and I went inward. I It was important that I had a linear dialogue of what the storyline was of my life in talk therapy, but it was really somatic work that yeah. shifted 
shifted the being, I held no contact, including no eye contact for a year. Wow. Living until, in the same, living in mm -hmm. the same home, that's quite an achievement. But yeah, with narcissists, it's the no contact thing. But it's interesting, the word narcissist, one of these days I will find somebody who I can talk to really deeply about this narcissist. And I'm not saying that you can't, but I have a friend who is a counselor and she's saying, you know, she's always said, call it late. You know, there were so many people labeling men narcissists out there. Like you, you know, click on narcissist on any of your social medias and you'll come up with a zillion things. And yes, you do, you know, these, these standard things come up and you go tick, 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 tick. Oh shit. Yes. That's my, you know, partner, my ex, whatever. Um, but it's a personality disorder, which is quite a big thing to say. And I, I prefer to think of it, or I think it's easier to grow. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. But as a, the wounded male, and I think there's a lot of wounded masculine energy in the world right now, which is why there are so many men behaving like this, because they haven't got the, you know, they haven't got that connection with that inner magic of themselves, you know, and the patriarchy itself is to blame, <laughs> frankly, for, you know, for making it so difficult for men to be everything that they need to be to be happy. Um, I think we shove them into a into a corner, but that doesn't mean that we've put up with crappy behavior or being treated badly. But codependency is something that really is a big cause of women that I, you know, I'm sure goes both ways of women ending up with narcissistic partners because of that, because of that wound, that mother wound that both parties have. I think it's a really big um common thing and that's why it's really important to a look at the inner child then go back and look at all their ancestral stuff which you have clearly done because you've got to see where that shit's come from that's landing on your doorstep yeah absolutely and that was the journey that was absolutely the journey and i'm so glad that i had the privilege of taking that ride because mm. he gave me the gift of freedom he helped reflect back to me to see who authentically I really was and I could live in my power authentically and I could connect with that little one in here so beautifully I have so much respect for myself that I didn't have and I have no malice towards him I don't envy his circumstance at all no no, it's um, it's not a you know somebody who behaves like that is not happy in themselves. In on the whole, it comes from a a deep seated insecurity or childhood trauma of their own. You know, they've the reason why they're like that is because they've had some you know some trauma, some toxic family stuff going down. Yeah, and. So I mean, with with this connection, you know, finding this connection with yourself is one of the main sort of things that I'm hearing around all of this is like going back to the self. So if somebody was, you know, listening to this and going, my God, that sounds like me, you know, I've done X, Y, and Z, I've run away, I've, you know, as in I've, I've overexercised or I've overeaten or I've, oh, you know, I've been codependent or I'm, I'm never happy. Like what's, what's, what would your advice be for somebody who's, who's sort of at the beginning of this journey, I suppose? 
Well, first you have to wake up to it. So becoming aware, and then you have to accept the circumstance you're in. And to, for me, it was important that I treat myself as gently as I possibly could, because it's easier for me to go inside and, and blame self than project any type of blame outwards. So it was essential that, that I found the right help, the right tools and the right support. And then if, if you are involved with someone who is a narcissist, yes, no contact is the only way to move through it, unfortunately and sadly, but that is the truth because they are master manipulators and it, you will always be at cause and the gaslighting is eternal and it will not change. And you are a source of supply, nothing more, unfortunately. Mm. And this gentleman, we we came to agreement. I could write him a six-figure check and he promptly moved on to his next source of supply. And that was the truth. And I'm grateful that he could demonstrate that proof. I'm grateful we could be in that same home for that year because every time I would have a doubt, there would be plain as day just by the dynamic of the circumstance. I could not deny the circumstance and the situation and the truth. I had to keep moving forward. Mm. So gentleness, kindness, and and trusting yourself and getting help. That's what I'd say first and foremost. What was the what kind of help did you get? You said you said you did, did somatic healing, which is see when you when you go in and look at the trauma that you know that's held within the body, which is obviously I think hopefully by now something that people who listen to me are fairly familiar with. Um what what did you do? What was your what was your modalities? Yeah, so I used a narcissistic abuse recovery program. There's a woman in Australia named Melanie Tonya Evans. She actually became a friend. Um, and I worked with her. This was quite a, a while ago. Um, that really helped. Um, and then I set up a friend for each day because towards the end of my experience, uh, towards the end of the agreement, the narcissist, my ex, knew the jig was up, there was no way out. And he started to get more bombastic. The behavior started to get more brutal. Mm -hmm. And I started to turn the anger inwards toward, towards myself. And just because I had experience with clinical depression, I could see I was going towards a deep one. And I was starting to have suicidal thoughts. I was starting to think maybe I should just leave the keys on the table take my son and the clothes on our backs. But what I did instead was got a friend for every day of the week, a friend for each of the seven days. And I would check in with the, the assigned friend for the day um, that day. And if they weren't available and if I was feeling suicidal in any way, I committed to call the next friend on the list. And that's what got me through the last two month period of that episode. Um, so, and a lot of self-care. I made sure my son and I had an outing every week. We went to parks and zoos and hang gliding and all sorts of things. We, we explored all sorts of things every Saturday. And he actually remembers those times, even though it was so tremendously intense inside the home with all that silence. Um, he remembers those those Saturdays with fondness and and he has positive memories at that time. So I'm grateful mm. for that. Yeah, no, that's that's a really wonderful example, actually, of really purposefully feeding your energy with joy, with you know, just going, right, I may be wallowing in the mud here, but I'm still going to find something to do that's going to be really fun, that's going to be adventurous that's going to be creative and that's that's um it's that's a really it's a very interesting thing because for me that that screams of like self-care for your sacral chakra that that um you know area that, that is full of creativity and fun and and I think when you're going through an abusive relationship like that because that's where you hold a your emotions and b your one-to-one -one relationships and c your sexuality that all of that could just go 
just like implode on itself and completely just be obliterated into nothingness. But the only way of keeping that all going is to actually feed it with the stuff that other stuff that's there. So fun, pleasure, joy, your kids. Amazing. Yeah. I love that. That's really, that's such a good idea just to find that purposeful fun. And I, and I, I, you know, I think whatever one situation, whatever you're healing from actually being really purposeful about searching for pleasure and fun bringing joy inviting joy into your life in a formal manner <laughs> won't you come in please joy i'm expecting you now <laughs> yeah i think that's fantastic and so you work with tonya you had your friends and you were doing inner child work or was that really that that came about when you actually started to write the book am i right yeah uh, I mean, I was aware of it, but that's when it hit full spectrum. That's when I really connected with mm. her. It took a while. I mean, how long? How long has it been from uh, since your divorce? Um, let's see, eight years, I think. Okay. Yeah, eight, eight or nine years, even. And so, you're now in this beautiful state of adult freedom from you know this and I'm sure that in your book you go through not only your childhood but also the the separation and divorce and so on so you now find yourself in adult freedom was there a moment or was it when you were writing the book that you had the aha moment when was did you have a moment when you go on actually look at me I think I'm free was there a moment or was it gradual no, there was a very specific moment, Roseanne, and it was when the publisher sent the galley copy to me for final review, and I read it yet again for a final time, and I think it was chapter 12, and it was the divorce, and I said, wow, that woman's really strong, and then I realized, oh my gosh, that's you. <laughs> so that's some powerful stuff there. That's very cool. Okay. I like this. I think that this is, you know, this again, you know, we don't all have to go out and write a book, but we can journal. And I, I know, I know that I have journaled through for many years and I can look back on a journal that's 20 years old and go, Oh my God, what was she thinking? What an idiot. <laughs> oh my God. That's so tragic. You know, I can't believe that happened. And it's, you know, it does give you that sort of objectivity once you once you write it. Is that the right word or is it subjectivity? I'm sorry, getting confused. But, you know, once you've written it down, there is a distance between it and you can see it for what it actually is. Yeah, so that's mm, bigger harm moments. So just occurred to me, I'm interested to know, because you're one of five, how did your brothers and sisters fare after? Because you all shared this chaotic, mad childhood. How have your brothers and sisters um, fared in their adult lives? Are they happy? And They all have very different uh, stories and experiences of growing up in that same home. My oldest brother, is it's almost all blacked out. It's almost all amnesia. Really? Um, yeah. And he's really trying, he's, he's trying to find himself, but you can see the discomfort in his skin. And I have so much, so much compassion for him. And he was so abusive, just horribly abusive. And he was horribly abused. Obviously my sister feels she had a charmed upbringing and she feels almost guilty that she had such a pleasant life. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. And then my next youngest brother is the lost child, and he has um, a mental health issue that he works with, but he may be happy um, because his life is, is very simple. Mm. Um, and my youngest brother is, I just feel like he's a lost child. He is in a successful um, marriage, but he suffered neglect, horrible neglect. And I feel he struggles with that in adulthood. Mm. It is so interesting. And I think that anybody who's got more, you know, has got a, a sibling, when you start to compare notes, 
the the difference between the experiences in the same household are mind blowing. You know, m- my sister and I have like, and my brother. You know, we all have hugely different relationships with our parents now as adults, like really significantly different. You know, I always thought I lived in a beautiful, charmed life, and I did. It was beautiful. Couldn't have asked for any more. But you know, the, the, but there's. The, but the contrast, I was the youngest, of course, you know, a little happy, you know, la la la, just, just skipping through the flowers, everything's fine. And it wasn't for my brother and my sister, you know, it wasn't great for them. But it is extraordinary that I think this is a really common theme, even when it's not as extreme as yours, that we all have such different experiences within our families. And um, there's a sort of a horrible realization, especially for someone like me who has grown up children well grown up their early 20s um to think that I didn't know all of this stuff when they were little that I wasn't aware of you know the majority of this I was just surviving it was just you know like let's just let's just have some fish fingers and get to bed and you know let's not and you know and to, to know that I am undoubtedly party to a trauma that he will they will have to get off and sort out later in life. But I think it's virtually impossible to not pass on your trauma from your childhood or from your experiences. And then when you marry that together with your partner and there's that that new dynamic they've brought in as well, you create a whole new beautiful mixture of horrors for every generation. Yay. Yeah. But books like yours will help people understand. I hope so, Roseanne. I hope so. Yeah, the, I I didn't, I wasn't sure I would have a child. You know, was, the message was very clear. Children cause lots of problems. And I was terrified that I would foist abuse onto my own child. So it was 42 when I got pregnant naturally. And I was 43 when I delivered 10 hours door to door, natural, natural childbirth. So he obviously was meant to be on the planet. And I treated him as an individual. I treated him with respect. Uh, He was not an extension of myself in any way, shape or form. And still, you know, you do the best you can and they still have a pathway. They still come in with the experiences that they desire and they seek. I mean, he's doing well. He's he's getting through college in three years instead of four. And he's very grounded. My friends used to ask, is the president in this afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. But you were a little, you know, I think, um, yeah, having children a little bit later, is, there's, you know, there's pluses and minuses to it all. But um pros and cons but certainly having that level of maturity on your side you know compare a 28 year old to a 42 year old that's a a big old 14 years of life difference and experience and knowledge and that counts for quite a lot um so that I think that was that was definitely well obviously it was your path because it happened when it happened for a good reason um so yeah I think that's lovely. And has he has he read your book? Has he what does he make of it? He hasn't read it, um, but he's incredibly proud. You know, he uh, I sent him the copy for the back and the description, and he had really wonderful words for it and said he was proud. But um, no, he hasn't read it as far as I know, anyway. And and I won't ask him to, but I have a feeling one day he probably will. Maybe yeah. after I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> I want to... Well, yeah, it might be, it might be an idea. Yeah. So where, Susan, can people find your book? Are you on Amazon? Oh yeah. Amazon and, and it's Barnes and Noble and bookstores. And then if anyone's drawn to, to reach me in any way, everything's at susangold.us. So you do coaching as well. We've missed a whole sort of thing. We've been focusing on your story and on your authorship but you are a coach so when you're doing when you're employed as a coach what kind of um kind of coaching are you doing is it coaching people through divorcing narcissists or is it coaching 
<laughs> it can be. It can be. And yeah, I'm actually profoundly helpful in that department. <laughs> Just it's it's mostly the things that I've walked through, and people come to me for all different circumstances and reasons, which is part of the beauty. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this, um, and the other thing that I just want to touch on before I let you go is, um, you know, you're, you're at the beginning, you said, you know, you were, you're very intuitive, empathic, you know, you can really read people really well. And so you, therefore you must have quite a deep spirituality. And I don't mean necessarily religion, although if that's your you know, if, they, if you are, then that's obviously a, a very valid source of spirituality. But what does your spirituality look like at the moment? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that you are a meditator and that you are spiritual, but that's just because that's the vibe you give off. So just talk to me a little bit about that first. I hope I don't break your image. No, um, I was... <laughs> I was very structured. I was very rigid. I would go on week-long silent meditation retreats and I would have to sit on the cushion for 45 minutes a day and, and not move an inch and blah, blah, blah. It, things are so much softer now. If I feel moved to sit quietly, I will. Otherwise it comes, but just seeing a bird fly from one plant to the other or watching a cloud move or you know, following the black line at the bottom of the pool. It comes in all different ways, taking a breath, connecting with you, feeling your energy, feeling your presence, watching your beauty and your peace. Yeah, that's yeah. that's where it comes from. Connection. Yeah. 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 I love that. And I and when you when you say that that you know that you used to be very rigid and now you're just you just go with the with that very intuitive flow of what actually brings you joy and connects with you um I just makes me think about my my personal yoga journey because I used to be like in that very strict Iyengar world where everything had to be exactly exact and and now I'm finding that such a beautiful freedom in just going no just move just do what feels good and it feels so good to do what feels good and it sounds so stupid to say it but you you know, it's the same with meditation. You know, people think you've got to sit up cross-legged. Honestly, sometimes if I sit cross-legged for, for 10, 15, 20 minutes, my legs go to sleep and then I'm and then I have to you know. so I lie down. I often lie down for my meditations because then I can really, you know, so being rigid with yourself is such um a non-self-caring thing to do. It's a very kind of dictatorial, well, you must do it in this way because this is how it's supposed to be and I think that we all know in ourselves how it's supposed to be for us and I think following that is much more fun and much more healthy overall oh yeah you've obviously stepped out of the matrix with incredible grace <laughs> yeah thank you well it's gorgeous to connect with you Susan I've really enjoyed meeting you so much um you've already given us your website which is susangold.com we're all going to go off and buy your book I am going to go off to Amazon and get a copy actually I might get it I'm going on holiday in a couple of weeks so I might get it to read by the pool a little bit of Susan inspo by the pool yeah that could be quite good okay thank you Susan thank you so much for joining me today Thank you. Thanks for the content you're bringing forward. Thank you for the courage of showing up and producing the conversations you are. Thanks for moving through your life journey with such love and for sharing it with all of us. You've given me a lot of strength and clarity, and I'm really grateful we connected. Thank you. So thank you once more for joining me today. And I hope that you found this conversation um, enlightening in some way. It gave you a little glimmer of some way of working your way through this inner child stuff. I did a few weeks back um, a quite a powerful inner child meditation. So if you feel like this is something that would be useful to you, then 
Um, obviously, you know, Susan has been through this and I think when you're out the other side, it is a place where you can really support and help people. So that's where she is. Um, I can support you, obviously, on your energetic journey and with lots of other modalities. So get in touch with Susan at susangold.com. Get in touch with me at chakra-way.com. And um, I look forward to um, bringing you more of these beautiful conversations with incredible inspirational women and people and I really hope that um, yeah I can continue to do this because it brings me so much joy and it feeds my soul as well so meeting people like Susan really um, is is a great treat for me and so I'm really honoured to share it with you and um, yeah so just wanted to say thank you thanks for your continued support um, of this podcast and if you would like to um, review it then that really helps other people find it um, review share um, rate whatever use you fancy doing and um, yeah stay in touch because I always always love hearing from you um, whenever I hear from a listener I always get back in touch um, and yeah be good to hear from you all right take care much love 